Hi, guys, and welcome back for episode 10 of Unfiltered. Hello, Mark. Hello. How's your week been? Uh, busy again this yeah. week, but I'm hoping for a quieter week next week. She's hoping. so popular. I always hope for a quiet week, but it never ends up that way. I've known you for 14 years and I'm still, I'm waiting for you to have a quiet week. <laughs> so is everyone, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, it's been a big week news-wise and there were quite a few things that we had on our list to talk about. And then Trump's got COVID. Trump has COVID and this morning he's been flown by helicopter from the White House to Walter Reed Medical Center. And he has since released a video saying thank you for your support and that, uh, you know, he's doing well. And so is the First Lady, Melania Trump. His words were, I think I'm doing quite well. Correct. He isn't a medical professional because as we know, (laughs) there are multiple claims he's made about COVID, including, I've written some down. Go for it. The warmer weather kills COVID. Okay. That uh, it's only a temporary disease, so nothing Mm. to worry about. Mm -hmm. Like a that, flu, just a cold. Exactly. I remember that it being put that way, that, that there's suic- no long-lasting symptoms. That suicide rates would be higher than the deaths caused by COVID. Okay. Suicide has definitely gone up, that's true. Yes. But I don't think it's fair to say globally that there have been more deaths from suicide. And I think the point is as well is that I think it's still too early to make these claims. Absolutely. And, uh, and You don't want to undercut the fact that people's mental health has been severely impacted. He also said that COVID was going down globally, which we know that's not true. Mm-hmm. I think how many deaths in the US now? Over 200,000. So it's that's about 208,000, which is the up. media reporting this morning. Madrid has become the worst affected city in Europe. Yep. Uh, 99% of cases, he says, are harmless, but we know that I think 15% around about that figure are, can be fatal. Mm-hmm. So that's also wrong. He also said that Mexico was to blame in the southwest of the United States where cases went up. Did he elaborate or was that just a blanket statement? That was just a blanket statement. This is despite border crossings going down because of restrictions at the border, which he imposed. So it's kind of interesting if there's less people crossing the border, Mm -hmm. then how are cases going up that have come from Mexico? Yes. It's questionable. Well, the maths isn't there, is it? No. No. And I'm not great at maths. And also just a few uh, conspiracy theories that have come out today. Great. A documentary maker, Michael Moore. Yes. He has suggested that this could be an attempt for Donald Trump to get sympathy from voters, that this could be a strategy uh, to, I guess, win the election. I will not lie. That thought crossed my mind this morning in the shower. And I went, should I mention that to Mark? Or is he going to think that I'm more nuts than he actually already thinks I am? Well, I think it's hard to say because Donald Trump has said so many lies uh, that it really is hard to know what's real or what's fake. Can I add something to that list of his claims that you should inject bleach? That was also another one. There was also a medication combination that he was suggesting and recommending that fights malaria. And he basically was stating it as fact that that will actually fight and kill COVID very early on in the piece. Before we knew anything, I mean, we surely don't know what's going to, you know, end up being the vaccine if we do end up having one. But unsubstantiated, he was spreading this medication as... A solution. He's also told all his supporters at the first presidential debate, which was an absolute train wreck, oh with two God. grown men calling each other 
was really that, juvenile names. Was that a debate or was that a Jerry Springer episode from 1997? It was absolutely bizarre. It was wild. It was really bizarre and it was in a swing state, I believe. And uh, I don't think it really bode well for either one of them. No. And especially the moderator who couldn't keep control of it. And Donald Trump blamed him for it being a disaster when really... How do you stop grown men giving each other really basic juvenile insults mm-hmm. that you would hear in a school playground? And he's a Fox News journalist. So yeah. if there's anyone who was sort of more Donald Trump camp, it would have been a Fox News moderator. Fox News Straight also... out the gate, first debate, you've got a Fox News person sitting there and he's taking issue with them. So what is that going to look like for the other debate? Exactly. And Fox News went into meltdown when they announced that the president had coronavirus. So it was quite interesting to see that happen because we know that Fox News has been Did generally... they? Yeah. I didn't the, know that. Well, they just sort of freaked out about it. It was sort of all this panic and um, uproar within the newsroom uh, because, of course, Donald Trump, I think, only really does interviews one-on-one with Fox News. Yes, true. Um, he doesn't even talk to CNN because he knows he hates CNN. He's with the them. exception of that excellent Jonathan Swan interview. Yes, Which yes. was just like a meme-erific moment with all of Jonathan Swan's excellent facial expressions. And that must have been the last <laughs> time that will ever happen again. Yeah, it was um, that. You want to talk about a train wreck, that was a train wreck. I think as well, uh, Donald Trump has also told his supporters at these debates not to wear masks that socially distant policies don't bother with them either Mm. and as a result obviously he has got coronavirus a few fox news journalists have got it too they've um confirmed positive and i think what they said was he's most likely contracted it from hope hicks who is one of his advisors i mean but i mean that's up for debate she could have caught it from him he could have caught it from her and melania trump has contracted it as well i mean the woman barely wants to hold his hand now she's got to be isolated with him for two weeks prayers for melania exactly thank god the white house covers so much acreage i I think as well he was also very um critical of joe biden wearing a mask and saying how do you even know who he is when he hides behind this mask Mm -hmm. ironically joe biden has had two COVID tests in the past few days or 24 hours Mm. Both have come back negative, mm. although apparently almost contagious a few days after getting COVID. So he will have to have multiple tests. Correct. So Norman Swan, your wonderful colleague uh, at the ABC, at the ABC uh, who is also Jonathan Swan's father, even though he looks like he's about 10 years older than him. Can you tell I'm a big fangirl for the Swan family? Yes. Um, so he, I saw him talking this morning about sort of the risk that Trump is facing. He's 74 years old and because of his current uh, medical status, he's at about a 15 to 18% mortality rate um, in terms of the risk that he is, is looking at. Uh, And he also said that in that demographic with the virus, they tend to be more at risk in the second week. Mm, So that's when they tend to take a nosedive is first week. They can even look like they're asymptomatic. They cannot be showing any signs, not flu-like symptoms, nothing. And then second week, boom, they go off the cliff. One of the issues I've noticed this morning is the amount of people on Twitter celebrating Mm -hmm. that Donald Trump has COVID-19 and almost wishing this that this would be the result of something awful like him dying, which is really not a nice thing to say. I mean, Donald Trump still is someone's father, someone's uh, brother, 
and I don't think anyone should really wish that upon anyone. I mean, I know he has made some evil claims. He's really uh, said a lot of things that have divided the United States. Mm-hmm. There's been racism, misogyny, sexism, homophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, despite all that, I think that you know, wishing someone would die from COVID is a bit harsh. I agree. And look, I, I am someone who is so diametrically opposed to Trump politically, morally, uh, you know, as a human being, not even as a political animal. Uh, and I was really, really uh, discouraged to see all of that on Twitter this morning. I'm not much of an engager, but I do like to sort of take the temperature of what's going on. And I try to follow a fairly balanced array of people. And I saw a lot of it and not even just from faceless trolls, but from people who would be more, you know, commentators, not necessarily journalists, maybe more like comedians and people who are more like social commentators. And I think that's a really sad reflection of where we've come to in this four year bizarre fever dream since he came into office, that it's suddenly acceptable to wish death on any political figure is it's really it's a sad state of affairs i think it's interesting joe biden came out this morning and almost tried to refute those you know those wishes Mm -hmm. saying that this shouldn't be politicized that this is a real issue covid19 is still very much a problem and that he wishes his rival and first lady melania trump all the best in their recovery so i think that really speaks volumes in terms of what people should be thinking about COVID Mm. and where we are at this stage. I think it would be also interesting to look at how this will impact the election campaign because there's less than a month to go. Oh, yeah, it's five weeks out. And I wonder how, even though Joe Biden says it shouldn't be politicised, it'll be a huge issue in the United States, COVID-19. Well, COVID is a political issue. You've got over 200,000 fatalities almost between seven and eight million i think it's creeping up to eight million it is a political issue his handling of this is a political issue and now the irony of him contracting it particularly like you said earlier at the rallies he's not wearing a mask the people in those crowds aren't wearing masks ironically he was about to go and do a rally in wisconsin which is experiencing its worst uptick of covid cases and arguably is a part of the states which probably has a fair number of anti-masker, you know, COVID is a conspiracy kind of opinions. Uh, so what is this going to do for him in terms of his his platform? But also he's got a quarantine for two out of those five essential campaigning weeks. I think most people think that this could be the end of Donald Trump's success in the campaign. However, mm-hmm. I actually would argue Mm -hmm. the opposite because some of the things I've been reading is, for example, uh, uh, if this means that both candidates are sort of grounded in their movement because of COVID-19, because of the risks, um, it means that people like Joe Biden, who still needs to appeal to battleground states, uh, might have to do it over Zoom they're talking Mm -hmm. about. I know the next debate's in two weeks' time. That could be just the amount of time that Donald Trump could recover And it's being held in Miami. And even though Miami itself is more liberal thinking, Mm. uh, Florida is very much a Republican state. So if Joe Biden can't go there, then it could be an issue in terms of hurting his campaign. Um, The other thing that's really interesting is um, uh, Brazil's president got COVID-19 and has also been disparaging the virus. And he made a very quick recovery. He had mild symptoms. Donald Trump has mild symptoms. 
And then he came out and said, actually, the virus is not that bad. Oh, wow. Uh, I was only in hospital. I had minor symptoms. <laughs> and I can see Donald Trump coming yeah, yeah. out on that White House podium and saying that. I now have anecdotal proof that this is not as bad as it's being claimed. Exactly. So I think that that's, um, that's interesting. The other thing I read this morning was that um, history tells us sick presidential candidates win the election usually. So when Ronald Reagan nearly died from a bullet in 1981, he won big in 1984. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen Re- Republican parties stay in power longer. When Warren G. Harding died in office in 1923, his Republican party stayed in power for another 10 years. Wow. So I think um, maybe he could sort of win the emotion of voters saying, well, poor him, you know. Look, Americans love an underdog. They do. And they, I think they vote very emotionally. Uh, yes, practically, but I think there's a lot of it, clearly in the way that they even appeal to their voters and, and their uh, um, their parties at the DNC, the RNC. It's a very emotionally charged process they go through. Ours looks like an absolutely bland beige little parade compared to the fanfare that goes on over there. And I think historically we've also got to take into account that at really momentous historical uh, moments, like whenever there's been a war, look at George Bush, his approval rate was terrible. And we're talking about George Bush Jr. Uh, But because of the Iraq war and because it was Mm. such an uncertain time, any kind of disruption to even something that was awful and predictable, they'll take awful and predictable rather than make a serious change as far as the party who's in power. So it's like the boat's already been rocked. Let's not rock it anymore. So even with the sympathy vote, I think even the fact that COVID has been so disastrous, it's kind of like our world war. Mm. And people just may not want to disrupt even something that's terrible. Well, they won't want a political crisis. The unknown crisis. is too scary. Yeah, they won't want a political crisis in a health crisis, even though one could argue that the United States is in a, in a political crisis mm-hmm. um, with a lack of leadership during COVID-19. So that's interesting. I think uh, the other thing that I found interesting was that Joe Biden won't want to be seen as... Uh, putting down someone who's just recovered from COVID-19. So either way, I don't think this will help Joe Biden's cause either. I mean, he won't want to be seen saying, well, you said all this stuff about COVID-19. I think either way, Donald Trump might come out of this better. I think I think given those stats that Norman Swan provided that we talked about before and the and the and the risk of him not only dying, but of having serious, serious medical uh, issues that he's going to face in the second week of the virus. We've got to think about, for instance, like Boris Johnson, right? Boris Johnson contracted COVID quite early on in the crisis. He was in the ICU. He was seriously, seriously unwell. They were kind of covering it for a while, saying he was continuing to perform duties. And at the same time, it was being leaked that he was in you know he was either critical or i think yeah i think he did end up going into intensive care it was care. a similar sort of um message from what we're seeing from the white house press secretary yes. is that it's okay it's fine he's going to carry on his it's duties it's just a precaution i mean donald trump's going into the presidential office at the hospital mm-hmm. apparently there's an office there for the president to work out of i think that's hilarious given they can barely drag him into the oval office well exactly exactly to not read anything exactly so um, show me in flashcards or i don't want to know exactly 
I'm I wish not... I could do my job like that. I'm not going to read my emails. Yeah. Read them to me. <laughs> I've just been look, trying to look up how old the Brazilian president is. Yes. He's 65. So that's totally different interesting demo. Yep. that even though he made a miraculous recovery and said that it's not that bad, um, Donald Trump is, you know, 10 years older. It's also just a wildly ignorant thing to say, given we've had so many people pass away from this illness and so many people report different health outcomes and we've got people in their 30s and 40s who months down the line are still suffering really serious physical impacts whether or not it's you know their their breathing is has never come back 100 percent in terms of their capacity uh their hair's falling out the fact that they've got chronic fatigue symptoms which continue it's just wildly inappropriate for anyone in any context to say well because this was my experience this is everybody's experience and anyone saying otherwise is lying. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes out of that altogether mm. to see if uh, he changes his tone. He mm. might finally admit that the disease is a problem. See, that's my point about Boris Johnson. So two outcomes with Boris Johnson. One, he was uh, quite unwell for a long period of time. So this whole assumption that we're all playing to, which is, oh, well, Trump will quarantine for two weeks and he'll be out, he'll be back on the campaign trail. Not necessarily the case. If he no. really takes a nosedive, as many do in his demographic with his sort of health history in the second week, it could be weeks of recuperation. They could even be pushing the election out, love. Like if he is unable to participate in any way, if he's in hospital like Boris Johnson was, they're going to have to do something as far as the actual election date itself, which I think is being discussed. The other thing that could happen is there's talk of them cancelling the presidential debates, which actually might lead to more civil debate, given what has already gone on in the first presidential Selfishly, debate. Selfishly, I really want more of those debates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they are they, they're almost like a Jerry Springer. I of... literally watched watched it while I was working out because I was like, this is so it's... encouraging. I want to keep going because I want to keep watching more of this absolute lunacy. It's fascinating. Also, um, the president's children, Ivanka and Eric, have retweeted his post praising him as a warrior. Oh. And then Ms. Trump added, Dad, I love you. Oh, so, sweet. A, a warrior a who warrior. got out of Vietnam how many times in terms of being cons- uh, sent over to the Vietnam War with his bone spurs? I can't did I can't say how many have? times. But but he's a warrior. Yes, he is a warrior. Yeah. So according to his oh, family. Oh, and also criticised John McCain for being a prisoner of war. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's among the many divisive things he has uh, said. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, has promised to build a wall with Mexico, which still hasn't happened. And parts that was of it, one of his biggest promises. Yeah. Parts of it where it has gone up, it's fallen down. <laughs> it's a great video. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not going incredibly well. Um, should we move on and talk about something else that Other hit the dudes headlines? behaving badly? Yeah. So this is obviously a more local uh, issue. Let's, yes. uh, if you want to introduce so, it. So... I saw this headline this week and thought we absolutely have to talk about this because I think that it's it's globally relevant. 
in Australia, we have the private school system, which is a very expensive way to educate your children. Uh, school fees tend to be quite high. There tends to be kind of like an elite label put on a lot of those private schools. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. And then there's the public school system, which is government funded. You know, you can send your children there and, and I don't think it's you... It's free. It's free. Much. It's free education. Uh, and there's always been a bit of a... A public versus private attitude amongst students, yeah? Yeah, there certainly is. So um, one of those prestigious schools on Sydney's North Shore is Shore. It's mm-hmm. an all-boys school. It costs $34,000 a year to send a year 12 student to that school. Do you know, spare change lying around. And a few weeks ago, <laughs> uh, a statement came out or a note that was passed around through social media Year 12, of course, is a time to celebrate at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Most people are recovering from the awful task that is the HSC Mm -hmm. and all that studying. And it's probably one of the hardest uh, times in anyone's life. For me, it was really hard. I mean, I studied like crazy because I wanted to be a journalist and had to be high marks. And and not that that actually will determine that. You kind of realize once you leave school that... There are other ways. And Absolutely. It doesn't actually mean everything, yeah. even though I bought, I drank that Kool-Aid. Although it is good to aspire to wanting to do well. I would agree. It makes it As easier. someone who didn't work hard in year 12, I can agree it is good to aspire to work hard in year 12. I worked very hard. You I, did. Before the HSC, I was studying three hours after school and then... <gasps> On weekends, you know, this is sort of the month before. I don't before. think I did that one I did eight-hour days. I, I treated it like a work day. I went to the library in the city. I caught the bus and I studied for eight hours. I had a lunch break at 12 to 1. I did it like a job. How and are we friends? I know. We are such different animals. I know. But I still went to 18, so I still had fun. Yeah. I, um, so you, you, know, have, you have a good balance. I can do one or the other, so yeah. I usually choose the fun. So I tend to, it was for me, I just knew I had to do that to do well. And, um, and it worked. So let's get to, um, this, uh, statement that was a mockery muck up day. Muck up day is where it's very, it's like letting loose. It's like a day after final school exams are done at the end of school. And yeah, for us, like I went to a boarding school. Our markup day was like we ran to the center of the school where there was a fountain and we jumped in it. Like so, we had a water fight it. in the halls. Yeah, and, uh, back in our day, it was pretty innocent. It was well, like you know, you get shaving cream and go to the uh, to a boys' school and I don't know, put something right, like write something racy and shaving cream mm. on their front gate or whatever it was that was as or nudie runs yeah the boys schools used to do nudie runs through the girls just, schools. it's sort of a bit strange just, to be honest it was weird yeah it's and weird. so teenagers so sure a short document was called the tri-wizard shornament and it was a bunch of challenges 150 challenges for a small group in that year mm-hmm. that came up with these challenges some of them included spitting on a homeless person defecating on trains Sack whacking a random couple, oh taking drugs on the Harbour Bridge. Yeah, like cocaine and MDMA and stuff. I didn't even know I about didn't that at either. school. I had my first drink at like 16. Yeah. I was so scared of any of that I stuff. I didn't even know that stuff sort of really no, kind of existed. Um, and then um, drinking copious amounts of alcohol. Okay, we've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Flying to Melbourne. That was a 10,000 points challenge if you did that and deeply privileged like quite, 17 year olds just jumping this is on a fly. probably one of the worst as well i mean they're all really really, really bad, bad but um getting with an asian chick 
I mean, I don't know why. Also having sex is... with an older woman. Yep. And also... Oh, there was another one that was having sex with a girl who was ranked a three out of ten or below. Yeah. So back to that really deeply misogynistic rating system. Dude, so some really boy. awful challenges, and there are 150 of them. Um, the headmaster, Timothy Peterson, came out very quickly when this circulated and then was dropped to the media saying that the school unequiv- unequivocally condemns the activities and that this... Uh, was a small group of kids and it shouldn't be seen as part of the school culture. So it's important that that's said. However, what do you make of it all? I'm not surprised, to be perfectly honest. I mean, for full context and for clarity, I went to two private schools. I went to Monte San Angelo in North Sydney, which was an app. It was awful. Absolutely hated it. Terrible school. Then I went to, for that reason, because it was a terrible school, I went to Frensham, which was a boarding school. Uh, down in the Southern Highlands. Absolutely loved it. Amazing values, amazing teachers. I was incredibly lucky to be able to be sent to that school. Like Shaw, very expensive. I think my parents were paying about $40,000 or more a year by the time I got to year 12. Mm. It gets more expensive, obviously, in the more senior years. But what I know from Monty is that there was a really elitist, you know, uh, up ourselves kind of culture. But... I tend to sort of I, I'm I've got mixed feelings on this. Great. So one of the things is there's always the mention of how much these kids, uh, how much money parents have to spend when these sort of things come out, mm-hmm. and I think that's a bit unfair because, firstly, for example, I went to Skeggs Redlands. It is like sure in mm-hmm. terms of very expensive. Yes, it has that elitist culture too. Um, and, but my parents spent everything they earned to send me there. So they are not, they are now they've done well after all these years of me not being at home and not being at school and dreaming. Oh yeah. And I should be clear, like my and mom I'm, was a I'm single mom and she worked her ass off and sure. all that sort of so stuff. So I'm not yeah. denying any of that. Yeah. Um, however, I think it's really unfair that people are casting judgment saying that, oh, you know this is a private school thing. They just think they can do what they want. And it's really quite divisive. And I think it um, extends to all sorts of schools. I don't think it's just private schools. There is something different about this though, love, when you're talking about things like spitting on a homeless man. I agree. I agree. Uh, And there's other things that they've been involved in. Like there was a video taken where these Shaw boys were being interviewed. It was from a couple of years ago where it was like, you know, where are the worst places in Sydney? And they're like Blacktown, Penrith, that's where all the druggos are. Mm. So there it's not just bad behavior. It's not just and I hate that they're calling what's on this list pranks because there is sexual assault being yeah. uh, you know, encouraged there. There is drug use. Like this is not just bit of shaving cream on the front gates or even a nudie run, you know. I agree. I totally agree. I think it's shocking and terrible. But I don't think it's just confined to private I schools. I don't think the behaviour, I don't think this kind of behaviour is. I think the one of the concerning things that is noted in there is this sense of superiority. Yes. Is this, you know, this reference to certain demographics as being beneath them. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. When you met private school person, you knew you were meeting a private school person. Of course. Right? Yes, like yes. some of their yes. conduct, some of their attitude, some of their behaviour was just really indicative that they had this sense of, I don't know, that they were above other people, that mm. they were elite in some way. I definitely think there is uh, there are problems 
within the private system for sure. I mean, my school, Skeggs Redlands, it's a co-ed school that I went to and it was a great school. I loved going there. I was very lucky. Um, they had a really bad, notorious muck-up day mm-hmm. about, oh God, 10 years before I finished. It was quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And they it involved ripping out street signs, which is very dangerous if cars are driving mm-hmm. along there. And it was really bad. It made headlines around the around the nation and yeah the school is very much in damage control so uh, yeah unfortunately these um these private schools there is a definitely a a pattern here but i don't think it's helpful to make this a divisive debate about public and private school and i think that is the first thing people jump to because Mm. i think there are problems in all sorts of schools. I completely agree. Um, But I do think that... um, I think the spotlight goes on them because of the amount of money that is spent and this level of entitlement and it's a much flashier story than if it's coming from another school. But there is a pattern here. So there was another private school. I'm not going to name them because I don't remember the name and I don't want to be sued. There was another private school who this week, something similar, there was a scavenger hunt muck-up day list that was circulated and on that list was for one of the boys or anyone in that group to contact a sexual abuse survivor who'd been assaulted by her uncle at ages 10 and 11 she testified against him and divulged this information to a friend of hers who told this group of boys and they put it on their scavenger hunt list to message her and defend pedophilia and um it was at mayweather high school i think it was merriweather yeah, Merriweather, that's yeah. in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, Private so, school? No, it's a public school. Oh! I think so. I'm just sort of looking at I this thought it was private. Now. Government funded, yeah. Okay, there you go. So that example about Merriweather, we've just done a bit of research. Yeah. It is a public school. I, I am happily eating crow. That is quite a point that's being made there that yeah private public terrible conduct it is a selective school okay so that's also important to say but i think um it's really interesting these muck-ups do happen everywhere and and i think you're right the private school system is under a bigger microscope because of the fees paid and also i I do want to reiterate that point that there are items on that tri-wizard shornament thanks for dragging harry Harry potter into this one but there are items on there which are which really sound deeply entitled and deeply uh elitist spitting on homeless people the way they're ranking people the way that we're they're referring to certain demographics in certain parts of sydney yeah it's awful and i think um it does i think that come... doesn't help it doesn't necessarily insinuate that they're more likely no. to be dead and it shits, does come but... from privilege um and so i think it's really yeah i think you're right pointing out suburbs like bankstown or whatever um the suburbs were there yep. were western sydney ones i think that that's really awful and really nasty to say that type of well i just think that schools and the students themselves and parents need to look at some of the discourse that they're having and maybe the example they're setting as far as the elitist sort of entitled items on that list because that's really disconcerting and i agree with you that because of the fees that are paid how much it costs to go there you know kind of the rep that these schools have the media is more likely to shine a light on them, but some of the items on there are very specific to these more expensive uh, 
institutions which are considered sort of exclusive, I suppose. There was another story I covered uh, a few months ago about a man who was, it was a case of mistaken identity or um, some information fed to children that was incorrect uh, that resulted in a, I think it was about eight children um, allegedly bashing this man in pinball uh, as he was walking home with some beers uh, he lost his eye in that attack. It was savage. They, these children were accused of... How old were they? Oh, young as 14. Oh, my God. And cutting out his eye. Oh, my God. These are the God. allegations that are still before the court. Um, Who now, did they think he was? These children, interestingly, they thought that they were told allegedly by some young girls that this man may have attacked them and so they went after this man so it is still before the court so we can't go into too much detail but uh look one of the interesting things about that is that these children are from public and private schools Mm -hmm. so they worked together there so i think it's you know this type of bad behavior is uh really a small majority small minority Mm -hmm in these systems completely and also the worst thing about these parents when i saw them in court was they were mortified and they obviously didn't really know what their children were were up to and i think it's really unfair to say it's always bad parenting because totally because honestly you go to that school eight hours a day Mm. you don't see your parents parents don't know who their kids are really talking to what they're really getting up to. I mean, it's an institution. It's like when people go to jail, people don't know what people are subjected to in there or what they're really doing if they don't talk about it. And a lot of children don't talk about it. So this is such a helicopter parent. Like I'm going to have every password. I know every device being like, this is why, as I've said before, is that um, shoving in boarding school like my parents did open. So telling your kids that, you know, that you yes. should talk to me about everything. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's wanting to have your first drink around 17 when mm. that starts. Going on birth control. That type of thing. Those mm-hmm. conversations are really important and not for parents not to react mm-hmm. like it's shocking per se because, you know, that's where you put up barriers. And it can be shocking because I guess you don't really expect your kids to come home and Even say Even for us, like generationally, what a muck-up day means to us 13, 14 years later clearly means something completely different to some schools and some areas where there's probably kids looking at this being like, oh yeah, cocaine, ecstasy, and you and I are like clutching our pearls being like, shocking drugs and children, Mm. what? It it was not a thing. Even when I found out that people started drinking at 14, I was like, really? I think marijuana was a bit of a thing. I mean, I never did it, but... um. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely definitely a different ballpark, or maybe yeah. I was just quite ignorant. Yeah, I don't know. There was really no. I mean, again, boarding school, but like I had friends who went to other schools, and drugs were not. No, a thing. It's it was wild. more. It was more the. What the hell are our kids going to be doing? UDLs and vodka oh cruises and UDLs, <laughs> lemon ruskies. Oh and, god, two pineapple and cruises and she was in bed. What the other one? Schnapps or oh yes, those peach schnapps. Sweet. Yeah, oh, oh, awful. Um, but anyway, look, I think. Um, I think, yeah, those are two very interesting topics, very different topics. I agree. And I, I could talk all day about them, but mm. I can't because I have to go to brunch and you have a very important day and at the gym. And it's going to be 30 degrees in <gasps> Sydney today. So <gasps> it's beach weather. Finally, a nice day. I'm getting my hair done. That is not 
on a weekday because it's always beautiful on weekdays and I'm sitting in a courtroom or outside a crime scene. You need to be a kept woman. Yeah, I need to be a kept person. (laughs) This isn't working out for me. I've been working for almost 20 years since I was 14. Unacceptable. I'm exhausted. Where's your long service leave? Oh, God, that's due to kick in in three years. I emailed payroll the other day just to check (laughs) and I thought it was actually two years, but it's three, so I've got another year to go It's in. It's in the calendar. Of what I already thought I had. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode 10. Don't forget to come and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will be back next Monday with another episode. Uh, Do you want to say goodbye, Mark? Yeah, and also, if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, um, tweet us or Instagram us. My Twitter handle is readynews, R-E-D-D-I-E, and then news. Yeah. Or uh, Instagram, just my name. And I'll pop all that in the show notes for you guys to get in contact with us. We will set up an Instagram page uh, when I am off after having my surgery this Tuesday. Won't disrupt, though. We are going to have another episode up next Monday. For now, have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week.